Hi, it's Karen. And before we begin, I want to take a moment to tell you about something special. After my own cancer diagnosis, I realized the importance of having a helpful and simple resource. That's why I wrote Happiness Through Hardship, a guide and journal for cancer patients, their caregivers, and friends. Like a good friend, this book will provide practical tips and resources, as well as a few stories providing hope. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed, I encourage you to get a copy of my book. Half of the proceeds also go to the Cancer Couch Foundation, where 100% of the donations are matched and fund metastatic breast cancer research. Please go to prettywellness.com forward slash book to learn more or buy directly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. And here we are. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, which is a cancer guide and journal for patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me, success stories of people that have been through hard times, and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. Now, if you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now, for this episode, I am honored to introduce you to Dontara Terrell, entertainment journalist, host, and managing editor of 2190. On today's episode, Dontara shares her story of grief, loss, and some light after a tragic car accident involving her mother. She is heartfelt and so real, with many gems of wisdom throughout. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce our guest today, Dontara Terrell. As the managing editor for 2190, Dontara has a talent for seeking out lifestyle content. Throughout her career, her love for documenting the world around her has landed her some huge interviews with big names such as Michael B. Jordan, Tyra Banks, and Russell Westbrook, to name a few. This Ohio native has also been featured in the New York Times and Forbes, as well as has had bylines in countless national mediums, including BET, MTV, VH1, Shondaland, and more. Now, I first met Dontara while we worked together at Disney and ESPN Media Networks and knew then what the world sees now, that she's a superstar professionally and personally. Now, today on the podcast, we're going personal. And like so many of us, Dontara is not a stranger to hardship. On today's episode, she's going to discuss grief and how she dealt with the passing of her mother. Dontara, I am so thrilled to be reconnected. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for that amazing introduction. 
<laughs> like I'm over here like cheesing. Like, oh, you're talking about me? Oh, little old me? <laughs> well, how does it feel? You're an entertainment journalist. And so you're the one who's usually on the other side of the mic interviewing the guests. How does it feel? Like, are you excited? Are you nervous? Do you do this a lot? So maybe it's just not even a big deal. No, I, I'm excited. Um, I, I think it also depends on who I'm doing it with. So doing it with you, I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, like like I mentioned in the intro, I met Dontara years ago when we both worked together and she was always walking in a room with a big smile. And I remember you also being really curious, which is a, I don't want to use the word perfect because but it really is a perfect wor- word for somebody who wants to be a journalist and who is craving being on either side of the camera, behind the camera, in front of the camera. And like I said, we could see the success in you then and the world sees the success in you now. So I am really excited to have you on, even though today's topic and you know these topics are about hardship and how we got through. So as you mm-hmm. tell the story about your mom's passing, can you start by sharing with us a little bit about your mom and about the relationship you had with her? Oh my goodness. So my mom was, well, not even was, my mom is one of a kind. Um, I like to speak about her in present tense because although, yeah. So although she's not here physically, um, I feel like uh, our relationship has evolved. So we connect in other, in other ways, in other spaces. Um, Yes. So she, she, oh my goodness. I feel like a lot of times, like growing up, I didn't quite understand, um, understand why she did the things she did or in terms of like always, always coming from a place of empathy when she talked to people. Meanwhile, my patients would be super short, like, oh no, they're just making an excuse or, oh my goodness, they're still talking about that. But she was always, <laughs> always willing to listen, always willing to extend a helping hand. Um, and then, you know, just always very actively involved and just very nurturing. Um, and not just to me, but also to my friends and everybody who she came in contact with. Uh, and she also was, well, is, um, she just exuded love and light. That's what I'll say. She, she exudes love and light. Yes. So whenever you came, like, was in her, like, you could feel her presence and you felt you walked away a better person or always in good spirits. She was never one to tear you down or, or have you questioning um, your decisions or uh, self-worth, you know, she was just always just that, that beam of light. Um, When people, other people would write you off, she was not going to do that. She felt like everyone had a story. Everybody went through trials and tribulations and um, including herself, you know, her and my father were teenage uh, parents. And I think that had a lot to do with her story and her not being judgmental towards other people. Uh, she Because she was mistreated, you know, especially in that time. Right. Um, in the in the 70s, having a child out of wedlock. Her and my dad got married at 19. But it was still sort of like, wait, what? That stigma. So she never wanted people to feel how she felt um, when as a, as a teenage mom. So yes, she's amazing, and we still communicate. <laughs> um, yeah, she's very much with me. She actually looked, visited me in my dreams last night. So I feel like when times get hard a little yes. bit or down on myself, she always sends me like a little reminder, and I'm like, okay, 
I, I got it, mom. I, I, I see you, I feel you, and I hear you. So, <laughs> And that's beautiful that you had such a connection, obviously, when you were younger and that you still have the connection now. Can you tell us what happened and how yeah. you dealt with her passing? Well, you know, I will say that I'm still dealing with her passing. Um, yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. Um, still dealing with her passing. Uh, so it happens. Uh, actually, the anniversary is coming up October 1st, 2013. Um, and so the day before, 48 hours before, I felt like this is when I knew, like, I, I, I realized life was extremely short. Like, you know, you always hear this thing yes, and right. it sounds cliche, but then I like experienced it. It was like, whoa. <laughs> and um, so 48 hours before we were in D.C., at a um a family friend's uh vow renewal i think they were celebrating 40 years uh together so we you know family trip have we had an amazing time and those were like my last pictures of her and i remember um I was living with my sister at the time and, and she and I were heading back to Florida. Her and my dad drove up from Ohio to DC. And I remember her and her, my dad dropping us off at, um, at the check-in gate and my mom rolling down the window, seeing her big, beautiful smile and her and my dad just waving and, you know, driving off into the sunset, as they say, you know, get right. back on the highway to go back home. And um, then the next day she went to work and literally was leaving work um was at a red light and a car was not paying attention and hit her from behind um and from like our our lives changed forever uh at the scene they said that she was still very much coherent very you know just talking and she was in good spirits like oh I'm okay how's the other driver like I said yes. <laughs> still worried about everything else my mom was a nurse also, so she always had those like that caring tendency, like, oh my goodness, check on them, make sure their vitals are good. And but then she realized, they said she realized, like, oh my goodness, I I can't feel anything. I can't feel my feet. I can't feel my legs. I can't move. And she went into cardiac arrest uh, from there. So when the fire hit her, the impact was so severe that she had an immediate spinal cord injury, neck injury, and, you know, your spinal cord. That's, so she was, ended up being paralyzed from the, the neck down. So everything just changed. Um, and I remember us getting on a flight and my dad said, you know, prepare for the worst. I didn't know what that meant because right. I also mm -hmm. had, um, I was also very naive. I had a friend who had a, a car accident when we were in college and she broke her neck, but she wore a halo for like a year. Um, so when my dad said, your mom broke her neck, I just thought, oh, okay, well, she'll be, she'll be fine. You know, not really thinking anything of it. Cause I was, because that was the only experience I had with um, the severity of someone breaking their neck or their spine or, and having, being in um, a car accident. And I remember being on the flight from uh, Fort Lauderdale to Pittsburgh uh, and I was on my phone the whole time, like, but I had no reception or anything. It was just sort of like, everything was just, just, I don't know. I was in my own world, I guess you could say. So we get to the hospital and like I said, I'm still like, oh, okay, it's, it's going to be, everyone's going to be sad, of course, because no one was being in a car accident and right. clearly something happened because, you know, we're at the hospital, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. And I just remember walking into the waiting room, the entire waiting room was filled with just my family. And 
my mom was in ICU. And seeing everybody's face, like heart literally like stopped, literally. Like my heart stopped. And I was like, oh my gosh. Everyone's face just set it off. And then uh, they took us back to ICU. And I'm like, wait, I just I just saw you. What where's that smell? It was, you know, the machine pumping my mom's chest for her. She was on a ventilator. Um, she had a catheter and she was just there. You just hear these beeps. Oh my, it was just like, what? Um, and then my mom was in the hospital for 14 months following the accident. So I moved back home, uh, to be there for my mom, essentially, you know, be a caretaker. My mom, I, she got her nails done on a weekly basis. So to keep that connection, what we, what I would do is I would, um, go uh, buy different nail polish and then I would polish her nails, make sure I, I had a whole little manicure kit, did her nails while uh -huh. she was there. And then I would go get my nails done the matching color. <laughs> and then um, my mom ended up with, like my mom ended up waking up, but she couldn't communicate. When I say waking up, she couldn't speak. She couldn't move. Um, but uh, my dad, I, I always say he's the real MVP and my future husband. If you're not like my dad, I don't think I want you. <laughs> because my dad fought for my mom like in every aspect um bedside manner uh at one hospital was lacking and they told my dad essentially in a very nonchalant way in a very uh, aggressive attitude like hey listen man you know we've seen a thousand cases like this your wife's not gonna make it just say your goodbyes and my dad was like well, wait a minute i've been with this woman since i was 13, 12, yeah. they've been together for a very long time. I'm not sure. And, you know, they were like married for 40 years. And he's like, you know, my kids don't have a thousand mothers and I don't have a thousand wives and I don't plan on it. So we, you know, we're going to figure this thing out. And my dad called him Dr. My father's name is Don. Call him Dr. Don, Dr. Don Rell, <laughs> because he was constantly researching. He, um, reaching out to different hospitals and um, like uh, specialized centers in different uh, states, Texas, Atlanta, trying to get my mom in there for uh, rehab, just seeing, okay, is this new technology? Maybe they can work with this. And then also even correcting the doctors sometimes like, okay, well, if she's breathing over the ventilator, doesn't that mean X, Y, Z? And they're like, well, actually it does. Like <laughs> they're at a loss of words. Like, and so he's asking them, okay, so what about this? So can you do this? Okay, so can we call this specialist? And so he, I, I walked in on him several times, just on his hands and knees praying. He was constantly, sometimes he even caught when my mom had infections, he was the one uh, catching them because he would do my mom like a whole body exam. He would lock the door and be like, okay, we're going to start from your, your right pinky toe. Does this hurt? Okay. Does this hurt? And he would go bit by bit. And, um, I'll give you a perfect example. When the impact of my mom, when the car hit her, her jaw, it fractured her jaw. So she was in pain and they just kept giving her pain meds. And he like, no, something else is wrong. Well, come to find out her teeth were loose. Her permanent teeth were loose. Yes. And, and they didn't realize that. Yes. So she was constantly, and he's like, oh, oh my goodness, your teeth, they're loose. They're, your teeth are bothering you. And she, and she, he taught her how to blink one one for yes, two for no. And she looked at him and blinked one for yes. So then she, they had to like, you know, pull her teeth out. But that was what was the issue. That's why she was in so much pain and, you know, sweating profusely and biting her lips. She was trying to communicate. But my dad, he did a two hour exam with her. And like I said, he went through every inch of her body. And then 
he was like, oh my goodness, your teeth um, and your jaw, your, your jawline is fractured. So we were able to, you know, get that situated. But yeah, it was, it was literally like, uh, and I would, I would say I still have Tra- traumatic experiences because I, I I'm still triggered sometimes when um even I love like hospital shows like Grey's Anatomy but sometimes when I hear that beeping noise um like that they do at the hospital or I'm like and I, I'll catch myself tearing up or like being transported back to that time when I was like just staying the night in the hospital day and night um or even I remember being there sitting there with my mom and then all of a sudden hearing the beat that she flatlined and I'm looking at her and it's a lifeless body. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And then, you know, the whole team of doctors and nurses rush in and push you out. And you're like, Oh my gosh, what's happening? Like all those moments just come rushing in. And then, you know, you just find yourself um, lost in those thoughts. Um, So yeah, I've had several, you know, uh, traumatic moments, if you will, when I, when I moved back home to uh, be with my mom, but then I also had, uh, a lot of special moments because uh, I would be sitting in there trying to get my journalism career off the ground and I would be in there writing articles and then I would read them to her and I would, okay, so mom, you know, with your blinks, one for yes, two for no, and read a sentence and she'll blink no. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Or even, like I said, even us, just, just me, you know, polishing her nails and sitting there watching TV with her or um, I know, I, like my mom, I I, she, you know, I, I, I knew my mom's style and, you know, she wanted to be kept up. She got, had a weekly hair appointment. So I would buy her um, hair products and make sure, you know, we were greasing her scalp. We were scratching her scalp. We were washing her scalp <laughs> um, because, you know, if you're sitting there in the bed for so long right. and you can't express right. or even move if you have an itch, that could be very frustrating and very, uh, you know, annoying. Um, and then also just getting the right products to do her hair in a nice bun. And then also, I feel like a lot of her empathy rubbed off on me because um, we don't give the we don't give the hospital staff enough credit. Uh, I found myself uh, just uh, making friends and also making sure that they uh, were looked after because they were looking after my mom. And so I would bring them lunch. I would bring I would bring them Starbucks. You know, just taking care of them. And then it kind of um, it's kind of streamlined because they knew like somebody was always there with my mom. She had like such an amazing support system, whether it was family, friends, family, my sisters and I, I have three older sisters, my dad, someone was always there. And after 14 months, you know, I remember one time I went out, stayed out a little too late, ended up sleeping in and oversleeping. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get to the hospital. And I was like, mom's going to be like, where is she at? You know? And when I came in, they had my mom's music playing, like how we do it. They had the, the blinds open, how yeah. we usually do it. They had the TV on her favorite sta- station, how we usually do it. They had, they did her hair for me. And, oh, I always used to put lipstick on my mom. They had her lipstick on and they bathed her. And I went to the store not using like hospital products. And I'm like, my mom be like, uh-uh, do not put, mm-mm. I don't want, I want my my soap. I want the, the washcloth with a certain thread count. So... <laughs> they watched and I was like oh hi mom and they had her sitting up and she was sitting like hi I was like who did I was like did the nursing staff do this 
and she blinked she looked at me and was like yes I was like well thank you guys for looking out for her oh my gosh (laughs) so they kind of saw how we we treated my mom and they treated my mom the same way and they looked out for us and they would like encourage us don't worry oh we found your your nail stash so we um we saw her nail polish was chipping so we we redid her nails for you I'm like oh my gosh thank you (laughs) so yes and then Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, as much as I'm sitting here with tears streaming down my face of how tragic this is, you are beaming with beautiful light right now. Like, I can feel your love and the light as you're describing your mom as you were sharing these stories about her and the way people around her. And as you said, she brought out this beauty in everybody and she gave it to you or you took it from her to carry on and then treat her with it. It's really, it's really amazing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I uh, smiling from crying. I I was a little teary eyed. And then as I started talking about the, the more joyous moments, I'm like, well, this is beautiful because, you know, honestly, uh, as I think about it, I'm grateful that I had, I have an amazing mother um, because, and some people don't have an amazing relationship with their moms, you know? So I feel like I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have her in my life. I can't imagine this must've been, even though there's such beautiful moments, like I, I'm imagining you sitting at the edge of her bed, reading a story that you just wrote. And as you know, again, those are priceless moments as you're embarking on this journalism career and she's there, she's a part of it. And even though life is hard clearly for both of you, you're in it together. Were there other, whether outside people or various tools or practices that helped you get through this? Because it clearly was not easy. No, not easy at all. Um, I wanted to, before I answer that question, I I did want to take a step back because also um, one of the, one of my, proud moments in my journalism career. I actually penned an article for Ebony Magazine, which uh, was one of my mom's favorite magazine, about my mom and just how her accident um, taught me about the beauty of life, you know? Um, And I was able to, it was a tribute to her. So you click on the link and it's just a big picture of me and her. And then the whole story is about her. And I read it to her. I set the the laptop on her uh, stomach and she was still able to read. So I, I read it and, you know, scrolled it so she could see the pictures that they included. And then I remember when we were done, you know, reading the article, she turned her head towards me and she had tears coming down her eyes. I'm like, I was like, did you like it? And she did the longest <laughs> one blink for yes ever. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yes. So I felt ugh, that was like one of the best moments ever. Um, and just being able to honor her and give that tribute to her while she was still here. But um, I, I, I would say that during that time, I was, um, I was probably, uh, I wouldn't say it. I'll say after, right after my mom's death, I was a ticking time bomb. <laughs> uh, you just kind of never knew what side of me you're going to get. But and I only say that because I had amazing friends and family, you know, I have three other sisters. So we all, and my dad, like we all went through this together, even like my nieces and nephews. Um, but also we dealt with it in our own own ways. Um, my friends were 
absolutely amazing. But then when I said I was a ticking time bomb, then I started sort of getting in my head and, you know, just that right. grief process. You go through anger and then I was mad at everyone. Like, I felt like sometimes people, I'm like, you didn't reach out to me as much as you could have. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> even though they like reached out to me every day, but I'm like, you should have reached out to me 10 times a day. I mean, I don't know. Um, I wanted the world to stop because I'm like, do y'all realize like how the, the, the magnitude of this and everyone was just kind of going on with their life so I felt like that was um um that was a turning point for me because that's also when I decided to go into therapy so that was a resource for me um to be able to uh to communicate and just get my thoughts and feelings out and burst out in tears if I wanted to or just just I'm angry like I'm angry today because out of all the people in the world why does this have to happen to my mom so um therapy helped me up a lot tremendously and also while my mom was that 14 months when I moved back home I was still trying to push through I was still trying to be strong and I was still trying to okay well if I uh deflect if I just do everything else I won't have to think about it so even though I was home I was constantly like on the weekends or if somebody was look you can invite me to anything if you could be like oh Grey's Anatomy is having a marathon tomorrow I think I'm gonna invite my friend over I'll be like I'll fly in to come over too like I was just trying to (laughs) um but also in those moments I don't remember a lot of it I I I really don't remember it I think I don't think people talk about like that grieving process I don't remember like my friend sent me a picture she reposted a picture on social media and everybody's like, Oh, this is such a great night. And I'm like, Oh, like I'm asking a million more questions. What was this? Oh, I was, I was in Chicago for that. Oh, wait, well, what was the event? Like I'm literally, I'm clearly there because I'm in all the pictures, but I'm like, I have no clue, no recollection of, of this. So I was like physically there, but mentally mind was every place else. Right. Um, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> and, but I was about to say, at that time, it was a resource for me to kind of escape as well, <laughs> um, just to, you know, because I was constantly either at my house or at the hospital, and I was in Ohio, so Ohio, those winter months are very, very <laughs> isolating, <laughs> Right. and it's dark by 4 p.m., like, oh, goodness, yes, yeah, so... Well, I, I mean, as I, I, I have heard so many people say through what ever hardship they're going through and this is just excruciating like it, it's painful to hear I can't even imagine what you've gone through from the onset to like you said it's it's grief is ongoing it's still today and mm-hmm. it you know it it's good to hear that there are resources that worked for you like therapy and there's a lot of people I know in today's day and age, whatever is going on in life, to have that professional to walk through. And as you said, moments you would be angry and moments you would be sad. And there's just such a range of emotion with with grief. And my belief is that there's really no one right or wrong way to do it. It's just it's something that one has to has to walk through. Yes. Uh, everyone's journey is different. I think I also learned that, too. That's why I said, like, even with my sisters and I, and even my dad, um, and even my nieces and nephews, because they were close with my uh, my mom, too. Uh, but also, I, my, my youngest niece, when my mom passed away, she was about five months. But before, when she was younger, and she used to ask about my mom, 
I would shut down and be like, oh, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, you know, uh, just try to like, let's let's talk about anything else. Don't you want to talk about Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, anything but but mom? But now I find joy in her asking um, different questions about my mom because it also like keeps her legacy and memory alive. And I remember my mom. She talked about my grandfather, her father. Oh my goodness, every day. I heard something about my grandfather and mm-hmm. I remember this is what I'm saying, like being empathetic. Uh, well, this is like one of the learning lessons I learned, just being empathetic to people. I remember her saying, I remember her talking about him and I was having a bad day because of course life is just about me. It was probably something. So I was triggered by something so small, <laughs> but it was a big deal. You know, I amplified it. And she, I remember sitting on her bed and she was talking about like my grandfather. She said something. And I was like, mom, why do you like, why are you still talking about him? He passed away before I was born and I'm 20, 28 now. Like, and he passed away 30 years ago. Why are you still talking about him? And that was such a insensitive, like, that was just so insensitive of me <laughs> because now as I'm navigating this new normal and navigating life, I- talking about my mom all day every day (laughs) but it was it it helped her in her grieving process it was helping her heal it was helping her cope and also it was helping her keep his memory and like legacy alive and also when she talks about him she misses him so that's sort of therapeutic for her to know that okay well you didn't get a chance to know your grandfather so it's my mission to make sure that you do um and it also helps me just remembering those good times and those good moments and um the amazing man that he was well, so. and the interesting thing about you actually asking her or being that, you know, 20-something-year-old that's just, like, caught in your own world is it made her stop and think and actually communicate to you why she did it. And now, <laughs> as, as you're, you know, in the future here, knowing that she physically isn't here on Earth to, you know, talk to your nieces about her life or who she was or who she is like you are you are her legacy and you're able to share her life with them and and now you're doing what she did about with your grandfather which is pretty beautiful yes. that you had that moment before even though it's kind of like you're like oh, it was me being an, an ugly self of mine but it makes it almost more in my opinion more special that you can really understand the power of it all that is true that is true I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't look at it uh, that way, but that is absolutely true. Uh, you know, I've had, I, I had someone recently, um, I said something about my mom and then I was like, well, did, hasn't it been like five years or something? I'm like, yes. They're like, oh, I thought you'd be over that by now. <gasps> now, Marie Dante would have been like, oh my goodness, I'm cut, like cutting them off or they are just X, Y, Z. And now I'm like, you haven't lost a parent, have you? They're like, no. And like sort of shrugged their shoulders. I was like, okay, like I get it. I'm like, so you don't know. You you, you sound like, you know, that's probably something right. I might have right. said or something along those lines. But I just shrugged it off and was like, you have no idea. And, it, you know, at, worst pain ever to deal with. And I don't want to put that on you. But, you know, at some point, I feel like in life, death is an inev- inevitable, excuse me. So when they experience then we'll be at a different stage and phase in our relationship, you know? Um, so, yes. Well, and, and when you put that little, 
<laughs> your point is just so well taken about obviously this subject and so many other topics in life. And I think where your mom, it sounds like, was just this beautiful soul is that empathy is something so important in life because there are so many situations and many, you know, big situations, small situations where you just really don't know what the other person is going through. We can make up stories about what we think they're doing or why they're behaving a certain way, but you just don't really know. And mm -hmm. so until you've been through a situation so similar, and even so, I mean, your the story of your mom's death is different than the story of the next person's. It's like, it's just having right. a big heart and being open to that, I think, can mean so much when someone is grieving. And like you said, it's kind of a forever grief because, you know, there, there's some finality to it, right? Now, I mean, yes. you, you had said that you stay connected with her now. Are you willing to share? Well, actually, first, let me just take a step back. So the accident was October 1st, and you said she lived for 14 months. Was it her? Yes. So she what was the actual? Oh, sorry. I mean... Yes, yeah, so she lived 14 months. Let me hand it over to you. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then she uh, passed away uh, December 19th, so during the holidays. Oh, wow. Uh, yes, and we buried her right after Christmas. Uh, so that was a lot. And that was uh, a very uh, depressing time for me. Uh, I think they were worried that I might not even make it to the funeral because I literally stayed in the room and looked at the ceiling or would go back to sleep, wake up, look at the ceiling. And it was so many people coming in and out, you know, when she passed, uh, you know, with their condolences, food, and I was not leaving the room. I didn't take a, a bath, a shower, uh, uh, anything. <laughs> um, it was just like my body shut down. I, I shut down and going back to my dad, I remember him coming in the room. I had the lights off. And him just coming in the room and just laying on the bed next to me. And I was literally just looking at the ceiling. <laughs> and I remember people would, like, come and knock on my bedroom door, and I was not budging. Um, so, I, I put, look, I was able to pull myself together. But then I went right back into that um, that hole right after the funeral. I came out for 24 hours and then went right back in. Um, but, yeah, she ended up passing away uh, around the holidays, and she had a traumatic brain injury, which is ironic because that was her specialty um, as a nurse. Wow. <laughs> um, and when I tell you she used to fight, she was the biggest advocate for um, people who dealt with traumatic brain injuries, uh, especially on the jobs. Uh, she ended up, uh, she was a bedside nurse, and then she ends up transitioning to being a state nurse and um, working for the state of Ohio. So when I say being an advocate, just in terms of if someone um, developed a, a brain injury on the job, making sure they got all their resources, making sure they knew what resources they had available to them, because sometimes they try not to tell you. <laughs> um, making sure even the financial aspects. Oh, um, and then also making sure that they are able to not only survive, but just thrive and that their family understands the dynamics of having a traumatic brain injury, living with a traumatic brain injury or having a loved one, you know, going through that. So yes, that was very ironic that she ends up um, suffering and passing away from a traumatic brain injury because that was wow. her specialty. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's also how my, my we, we got a lot of lit literature at home about it. So we were all reading up on it 
Well, what I also find fascinating is when it comes to whether it's illnesses or accidents or tragedies, like physical ailments, to have a patient advocate like your father was for your mother mm-hmm. is key. Mm-hmm. I think when mm-hmm. you were saying that and when you were going to the depths of the description of the things that he did, that is applicable in so many different areas. And if so many people touched by cancer, you know, totally a different experience. Uh, but however, oftentimes they need to be on the lookout for X, Y, and Z, different things that could happen. And and whether if they can't do it themselves, you have a family member, a friend who or hire somebody that can be your patient advocate because your father found things. It's not that they were bad doctors. I'm sure they're amazing doctors, but doctors are human and people. And sometimes there's little things like you were talking about your mom's teeth. Who would have known it was, you know, but he took the time and the energy because they had such a beautiful like love story that he wanted to do everything he could and he found it because he was such an advocate. And I think that that, as you tell this story, and I'm like, you know, I'm half in tears and I'm half like in, in with a big smile across my face. It's like to hear the love of, you know, she may have gone through this horrible ordeal and been in a lot of pain, but the love that she felt from him so probably early on in the relationship went to the end. And then again with you sitting bedside and your sisters and other relatives and and you sharing your journalism career with her and then look where you've gone now, you know that she would be proud because she saw it from not just from when you were little, but for the onset of it. Yes, absolutely. Very very well said. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, it it just, I I think it's it's all very powerful. Now, what do you think of the work that you've been doing now in in recent years are, you know, I think we, I I was going down the direction of you had said, you know, whether it's the work you're doing professionally or even personally, you said that you've stayed connected with her because for you, you, um, you know, you see her as still being here while not physically. Um, Can you share with us like what, what helps you keep her alive? Well, my mom had a green thumb, so she was a plant lover and she loved fresh flowers. And I remember growing up, we were always constantly at the nursery, at the plant nursery. So when I moved into my apartment, I turned it to my mom was like, oh, we need fresh flowers. We need, we need some plants. So I find myself at the nursery. I find myself researching different plants to see what works in direct sunlight, what doesn't. Um, and also being, um, also making sure I, I have fresh flowers around me. Uh, I think that's probably like two, two of the business things, biggest things, the fresh flowers, the plants, um, having her pictures around me and, um, also, just honestly, just talk, like if I'm in a mood or I, and when I say in a mood, I'm not necessarily talking about a bad mood, a sad mood. It could be it could be a bad mood, a sad mood. It could be a lost mood. It could be a happy mood. I will literally just start talking to, to her <laughs> in my apartment. So, mom, I remember. Remember that? And like as I'm looking at her picture. Or uh, if I come up with a funny memory, I'd be like, mom, <laughs> I know that's you as opposed to trying to suppress it or just like, eh, whatever. Or, you know, thanks for coming to visit me on my journey last night. Appreciate you. <laughs> Can I tell you, uh, I, 
I I do that too. And I, I'm not talking, I'm very lucky that, that I didn't lose a parent. However, I have a very dear friend who had a very similar stage four cancer as I do. And she passed away a few years ago. And I found that, that, you know, it's, it's one of those things, everybody's situation's different with everything. We had a very close connection, like a, a sisterhood because we actually became good friends and our, you know, our kids played on the same baseball team together. So we had this friendship as well as the stage four cancer connection, which, you know, as you know, when you find somebody who's been through something similar to you, you have this connection. And, and so when she passed away, I just wanted to still keep talking to her because I wanted to feel like she's there. And so I write her a lot, like, Mm -hmm. you know, not that they're not going anywhere clearly, but it's almost like, I don't know if it's considered a journal because it's written to her and it helps me feel, or like you said, I just, just having those conversations sometimes like out loud to myself in the car, just if nothing else, it just makes me feel like, I, I am honoring her and I love her and I, I get to still be with her even though I'm not with her. And so I can only imagine how powerful that is with your mother, somebody who you were obviously knew your whole life and who you're so close with. Yes, absolutely. I, I was going to say, I do a lot of like journaling to um, myself and her as well. And lately I have been um, finally looking at some of the pictures of when she was in the hospital Um and also just like a lot of the pictures uh, that I have of her and scrapbooking. So oh, I'm like, oh, that was a fun trip. Yeah, so it, it's bringing back like those memories. I'm like, oh, you remember that, mom? Or oh, I remember that. And also talking talking with um, my sisters and uh, my friends about my mom um, and even my dad, you know, having those moments. And then also I feel like... Uh, also, when I say our relationship has evolved in a different sense, sometimes when I find myself speaking negatively um, or saying, like, I don't like something about myself, I, like, remind myself, like, this is an extension of your mom and embrace it and love it, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. Like, yeah, I'm like, oh, my goodness. If I did say something like my ears are too big, I'm like, but these were mommy's ears. Yeah. Now, so like <laughs> what would she what would she I'm gonna take a little left turn here what would she brag about you today if she was on this call with us and because you've been doing so much fascinating work and exciting work and especially for me because listen I I studied journalism when I was in college and I spent the lion's share of my career in sports and entertainment on the corporate side and mm-hmm. you know now I'm doing more journalistic work, but I if she was here right now, how would what would she brag about you? Like clearly the like you had told us the story about the Ebony Magazine article, it you know it was about her. It was honoring her, and that was beautiful. So I'm sure she was proud. But what other things are you working on now that you think she'd be excited about and would share with family and friends? Well, first off, can I just say that everyone uh, knew my sisters and I as Ellen's girls. Really? (laughs) Yes, I always like. Sometimes I have pictures of her. I hashtag Ellen's girls because they'd be like, "Oh, you know, Ellen's girls." Or she always said, "Well, the girls," and she'll just go down the list, go down the line. Well, the girls are doing this, and the girls, the girls. So, what she would say about me? uh, She would be bragging that I moved to LA. That um, oh, 
I made I, I recently made my uh, debut appearance on Entertainment Tonight Canada. Um, she she knew that was like a dream of mine to be on Entertainment Tonight, which is still coming. But ET Canada is a big deal, so she'll be bragging of about course. that. <laughs> yeah, yes. she'll be bragging about that. Me moving to LA, and then also I would say uh, me writing stories, um, not just um, celebrity focused. But also the ones that um, I would say the ones that you don't really hear a lot about um, from marginalized communities or uh, changing that narrative that people really don't um, hear a lot about. Like, for instance, my grandmother passed away of scleroderma um, and having an article featured in the UK for the National Scleroderma Foundation. So stuff like that. And she'd be like, oh my goodness, my baby's international. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, and then it's so meaningful, the work that she's doing too. So well, that, right, that's, right. That, that's really, really heartwarming. And I hope that as you said that out loud and you're thinking about what she would be proud of, I hope that you're proud of it too, because uh, you've been through a lot and you're still going after your dreams. And I think that so many times you know, you were, a, the story has been about your grief and about her, but also some of the story is you and how, and how you can show others and you are showing others, whether you realize it or not, that like really bad things can happen in life. And like you said, you were trapped in your room because you couldn't, you just couldn't leave. But at mm -hmm. some point you put one foot in front of the other and whether it was through therapy and the comfort of, you know, your father and your sisters and, and some of the things you spoke about, but you are now in a place following your dreams. Not saying that any and all of it was easy, but that you have you you have a life that it sounds like you really are proud of and that you love. Yes, um, yeah, that I, I do, I, I really do. And I also was going to say, unfortunately, I have a, a few friends who have joined the club of losing a parent. So having that connection uh, with them and us checking in on each other, or if we post something and they're like, oh, it's, or we text something, like it's the anniversary of our mom's passing, like being there um, for each other, our, our a mother or father's passing. Um, I know, I see, I know it's your dad's birthday. Just know, you know, He's, he's smiling down on you just like we all are. And he's extremely proud. You know, just sending those encouraging words or messages and just checking in like, hey, how you doing today? I know it's the holidays or I know it's Mother's Day. It's Father's Day. Are you good? Um, this past Mother's Day, thank goodness. It's, it's, it's always a, a Mother's Day is a difficult time for me. And um, I have a friend out here and she's like, oh, we are going hiking. And we went hiking, ended up being out the entire day. And it was such an amazing day and connecting with nature, but just being grateful that she thought <laughs> enough about me. Like, I don't care what I'm doing uh, or what I have planned for today. It, it's, it's about me and you. You're on the opposite end of the coast and we are going to celebrate Mother's Day and we are going to go for a hike. We're going to go out to eat. You're going to get out this house. So, well, yeah. And, and that's huge. Having the, whether it's newfound support or people that were there all along, and I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you've got people that, that you said are like in this similar situation, but on the same note, it's, it's great that you have each other. Now, I yeah. was hoping you have used the word that I love so much 
a lot in this interview, and that's about being grateful and about gratitude. And so for yeah. for those that are new to me here on the podcast, I close out every episode by playing what I call the grateful game. And I am hoping, obviously, Dontara, that you'll play with me. And for those that are <laughs> listening, I would love for you to take this minute to think about what you're grateful for and why. It's something that my son and I started a few years ago right before bed. It was a way for us to connect, but also as the days went on and we would play the grateful game each night, we started to look throughout our day for things that made us smile or things that made us grateful. And let me tell you, like when you're going through hardship, like does did this change my cancer diagnosis? No. It, you know, me talking about gratitude didn't do that, but it has helped turn a day around. It has helped put a smile on my face. It's helped put me in a better mood. And so I really believe in it. So, Dontara, I will start and I'll give us about 30 seconds just talking about briefly what we're grateful for and why today. And for you out there listening, take a moment, close your eyes and, and, and do the same or follow us on our, our trip here. So I'm going to say today I am grateful for uh, you know, I'm going to say it's silly, but the batting cage is near my house because <laughs> it is my son loves baseball and he plays on a local team for travel and he played Little League for years and his happy, happy place is when he's playing ball. And so to have a place that he can go now, he's at an age I can drop him off and hang out with his friends and it, it's just been, it, it's his happy place, which makes it my happy place. And I had just picked him up before this interview. And so I am grateful um, for them and for that. Uh, let's see what else I'm grateful for today. I am grateful for hummus. Okay, I know it's silly and I know it's small. And like I told you earlier, sometimes when you're having a bad day, it's just something little. I love hummus. I will take hummus as somebody who's largely vegan and I will put it in a sandwich. I will put it on vegetables. I throw a little bit of hummus and carrots in my purse to go to the baseball games my son plays in. I am just a huge, like, and, and tonight for dinner, my friend Jessica brought us over some hummus bowls from this place, that local place, Yala Organics, that it made it like a hearty meal. And so I know it's silly and it's small, but those are the two things that I am grateful for today. So I'm tossing it to you. Okay, so I am grateful for <laughs> having the luxury of being able to spoil myself at Starbucks today with a seven dollar yes. check. <laughs> Whoa, yes. Yeah. Because not many, you know, Starbucks is expensive and that's expensive, seven dollar drink. But I got the works today. I got the the pumpkin spice. I added an extra shot of espresso. I added some chai tea. I got oat milk. You know, I, I got the works and I and it was it was delicious. It was actually pretty delightful. So it was worth every penny. <laughs> but I'm grateful well, that it, I was splurge on myself about that. And, oh. and you love Starbucks too, so that's awesome. Yes, yes. Um, and then I am also grateful for, I would say, uh, I'm grateful for the use of all of my limbs because absolutely, <laughs> I know I went a little deep, but like, um, sometimes, you know, I, um, I was driving through downtown and I saw a lot of homeless people, you know, in wheelchairs or crutches. And I'm like, wow. Thank you that uh, I have the use of all my limbs. Like sometimes we take that for granted. Like even in the mornings, I just jump out of bed and do what I have to do without a second thought. 
or I'm I'm always in a rush sometimes without having to think about, oh, you know, uh, wheelchair or handicap accessibility or just different things like that. You know, I have the use of all my senses and the use of all my limbs. And that is definitely something to be grateful for. So and and to your point, it's so like we don't know the story of the people that you're seeing on the street. You don't know how it's likely permanent or maybe not, but even just to be paralyzed, you know, like paralyzed for that moment, moment that can make life so difficult, whether it's short, whether it's long. Right. So. Yes. And even as I was speaking about Starbucks as a luxury, having all five senses and the use of our limbs is a luxury as well, because anything can happen, you know, Well, and it could be taken away. Exactly. And coming full circle here, like, you know, that firsthand. And I think we all know it in our mind, but sometimes it's just that reality of Mm -hmm. be Mm -hmm. present, notice your senses and everything that's going on because you just don't know what's going to happen. Well, thank you, Dontara. This was just so heartfelt and a beautiful story and hopefully a tribute to your mom and that, that, I am really grateful that you shared it with us today. I hope the listeners, you know, can connect with either one of us if they have any questions or that they were able to find, you know, a little bit of joy with us in in some of the beauty that you shared about your relationship, but also about, you know, some of the laughter that came during such a hard time as well. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those listening, thank you. I am here and we are here just hoping that whatever journey you're going on in life, that you're able to find a little bit of joy even with life gets tough because there is the opportunity to take small steps towards better health and a little bit of happiness no matter where you are in life. So thanks again and bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought. We play the grateful game at the end of each episode, and here is why. After my second diagnosis, I started to research who was thriving with cancer and what they were doing to be well. I learned that wellness is about consistent self-care, creating everyday practices that help improve your body and mind toward a state of good health. And for me, focusing on gratitude brings tremendous positive energy into my life. This is why my son and I play the grateful game most nights. If nothing else, it brings a smile to our faces, which is also why I play the grateful game with all the guests at the end of each episode, because even though some of their stories are intense, like Dontera's today, or Jenna's in episode eight, who lost her husband in 9-11, or Lynn in episode 29, who radiates joy even after an ALS diagnosis, There have been so many guests on this show or friends in my life, and I'm sure yours as well, that have been through hardship. And I believe that we can all use a little gratitude practice in our life, which is why I'm challenging you to take two minutes in your day, be present, grab a friend or family member in person or virtually, and talk about what you're grateful for and why. And I would love to hear what you're grateful for, so please connect with me. Follow and tag at Pretty Wellness on Instagram and even hashtag Grateful Game, and I'll repost and chat back. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.